discipleship and today the question of where. So um, there's lots of different kinds of discipleship. We're interested in the sort that the Bible talks about. But what are some of the other kinds? Well, I did some careful research yesterday. I opened up the West Australian. The motoring section offers the opportunity to become a disciple of various new cars. The main sporting section offered the opportunity to become a disciple of people dressed in blue and yellow or purple or apparently just about any other colour on the spectrum. The business section offers discipleship of various companies, hopefully profitable. And inside the front page, there was an article about something called the Libs, who might also be seeking disciples. There are lots of kinds of discipleship, but we're interested in the kind that is about following Jesus. Now, um, the Anglican lectionary uh, gospel for this year is Matthew. And in Matthew chapter 4, we find Jesus calling four fishermen, four fishing brothers, in fact. And he calls them explicitly and he calls them directly. In chapter 4, verse 19, come and follow me, Jesus called Simon and Andrew. And he also called James and John. There are others who are interested in Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee. He was teaching, proclaiming, and healing. And the sorts of things that he was healing are listed. Various diseases, severe pain, demon possession, seizures, and paralysis. This is big news. It spreads north, beyond Galilee, into Syria. It spreads south, past the ten cities, to Jerusalem and Judea. And it spreads eastward, that's east here, um, to across the Jordan. The result, large crowds come to follow him. Maybe to see miracles, maybe to bring someone to get healed, maybe to hear his teaching. Everywhere he went, he was teaching, proclaiming and healing. And so we've got two kinds of disciples. On the one hand, the 12 who are called, and on the other hand, those who are interested in what's going on. And we find that the 12 in chapter 10 are authorised and sent. They're given the same job that Jesus has. In verse 7 of chapter 10, proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. So the particular 12, who we call disciples, end up being told to do what Jesus himself is doing. And Jesus wasn't a part-time rabbi filling in the weekend between construction jobs in the family's building business. He was full-time. He says, uh, to emphasise the extent of his commitment, 
Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He's so committed that he's travelling around and he doesn't know where he's going to sleep next. And neither were the twelve appointed to a a once-a-week commitment at the local synagogue. Uh, Matthew in chapter 19, Mark in chapter 10, and Luke in chapter 5 report the twelve telling Jesus that they've left everything to follow him. Jesus is Lord of every aspect of their lives. So discipleship, committed or inquiring? Decisive or we'll see what's going to happen? And so the question for you, what kind of disciple and where will you be a disciple? And so the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, who've prepared those groovy, dotty slide things that are on the screen, and who've prepared this series, say that your front line is the place where you spend the majority of your time outside the church where you are in contact with non-Christians, where you are with people who need to know the love of God. So we're going to consider the geographical scope of the promises and commands given in the Old Testament, right at the beginning, chapter 1, we've already read it, to humanity, then skip forward a few chapters and look at Noah, and then a few more chapters and consider Jacob. And the summary of that is that the phrase all earth and all people keeps coming back. And then what kind of kingdom are we called into? And we heard in chapter 5 from Matthew, Jesus' description of righteous living. It's physical, it's mental, it's spiritual. It's the whole of us. And then we'll look at Jesus' commission And we've already heard part of it from chapter 10 in Matthew, and we'll look at the end of Matthew at chapter 28 as well. So um, if you can turn with me to page 1 of your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, the question for us is, what is the extent of humanity's commission? Genesis tells us about the creation of humanity In verse 26, humanity is created in order to rule. And in verse 28, humanity is commissioned. It's a pretty comprehensive commission. To be fruitful, to fill the earth, to subdue the earth, to rule living creatures in the ocean, the air, and the land. So notice that the extent is the earth. And that's repeated twice. And then in verse 29, the extensiveness is repeated in God's commission to um, have every seed-bearing plant and every tree. So the original front line for humanity is the whole earth. If we skip forward to chapter 6, we read about Noah and where he's commissioned. Chapter 6, verse 9, Noah is righteous, he's blameless, and he's faithful to God. And in contrast, 
in verse 12, the extent of corruption and violence on the earth is complete. So if we skip forward after the flood, Noah and his family are the survivors, they're the only humans, and God commissions them. And his commission is to the earth. Chapter 8, a couple of chapters after 6, verse 15, Noah is ordered to multiply on the earth. The scope is the whole earth. And then in the beginning of chapter 9, to Noah and his sons, God commands, be fruitful, increase, fill the earth. The scope is still the whole earth. And in verse 3, he's given everything. In verse 7, he's told to multiply on the earth. And in verse 17, it's a covenant with all life on earth. God delegates the whole earth. So the front line for Noah is also the earth. And now we get a little bit of a contrast with Jacob. Chapter 28. He's um, done the dirty on his brother and got his father's blessing. And now he's leaving town because it's a bit awkward. And he's going north. And he stops overnight and he sleeps and he has a dream. And in his dream, he meets God. In chapter 28, verse 16, you get the sense of surprise. The Lord is here, and I was unaware of it. It appears as though he thinks that granddad, Abraham, dad, Isaac, that's where God is. And so it's a bit of a shock to him that God isn't just where they had been, but he's also where He is right now. And he receives a promise in verse 14. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So interestingly, Jacob lives in a place. There are many other humans on the earth. But the scope of Jacob's front line is also all peoples. So for Humanity in its original creation, for humanity after the punishment of the flood, and for humanity in the very early days of the nation of Israel, the scope is all the earth and all the people. So what kind of kingdom are we called into? And um, thank you very much to both the Bible readers. It's wonderful to hear the Bible read. Matthew chapter 5, and we're not going to go through this in detail, we just want to look at two aspects. One, the character of the kingdom, and the other, the action that arises out of that character. And in chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 3, we're told that the kingdom belongs to the poor in spirit. To Verse 4, those who mourn verse 5, the meek, and so it goes on. Those aren't geographically constrained. The poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, are everywhere. And not just that, they're internal and they're portable. And so wherever, wherever we are, 
these things are. They go with us anywhere. And the action. Notice that Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And notice that both the statement, the earth and the world, are comprehensive. So the nature of the kingdom is a righteous kingdom and its remit is the whole world. So what about us? Well, while we're here in this building, we can encourage each other. We can minister to each other. Right now, this is our front line. But when we go out, we can reach so many more people. Fairly obvious, not complicated. So just talking to a friend, being friendly with them, sitting down and have coffee with somebody, sharing someone's troubles. Maybe they're the ones who are poor in spirit. Maybe they're the ones who are mourning. Maybe they're the ones who are meek, but don't know about the kingdom of God. Now, um, for those of you who like to make summaries, um, I, did, I got the back of an envelope and I drew some pictures for myself. And I'm sorry, you won't be able to see them. The first one is my dodgy picture of the world. And the next one is a stick figure of a person for the nations, the people. And the last one is the heart. What are we really on about? What are we committed to? So our front line, where are we? Let's finish by looking at the end of Matthew, chapter 28. It's on page 812, if that helps you. In the last few verses, Jesus is about to ascend to heaven and in verse 19 we read, or in verse 18, Jesus comes to the disciples and says to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So, Jesus adopts the same scope that's been given to uh, Jacob in particular. Jesus is the new Israel, and us in him receive that same command, all nations. And in verse 19, we're told to obey everything until the end of the age. So the scope is all geography and all time. The front line for the disciples is all nations, and that's what comes down to us. So the question is, are you a disciple? And I suspect the answer for all of us is that we're a disciple of something, uh, even if it's only the humorous flicking through the newspaper and picking out a few um, articles, or maybe it's looking at an advert that wants you to join up to something. And even if it's only temporary, we're disciples. But Jesus calls us into an eternal kingdom. It's big stuff. And he gives us a job to be salt and light, to take his righteousness and tell other people about that. In here, we can encourage each other. But out there, 
There are so many more people who we can encourage. And by the diversity of those red pins, you got the metro area pretty well covered. Quite remarkable. One church in one place with a scope that covers Perth's metropolitan area, one of the biggest metropolitan areas for its size in the world. The world, the people, and our heart. So what is your front line? Where you spend the majority of your time, where you're in contact with non-Christians, where you are with people who need to know the love of God. God. 